Lifetime, the athletic country club of the Minnesota Vikings, champions healthy, happy kids, and families. Learn more at lifetime.life forward slash kids. It's great to have a dynamic guy who, as of now, is sitting probably one of the top five tight ends, if not one of the top two or three tight yeah. ends in the ent- entire league. In, in handling the mailbag last year, you know, we're, oh, we're like 10 and 2 or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, was, I was getting emails from people so unhappy. And I think that's because <laughs> part of their core identity is the Vikings dominating on defense. Yeah. What a great day it is to be a Vikings fan as we are single-digit numbers away from the Vikings home opener on September 10th against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast presented by Twin Cities Orthopedics. My name is Gabe Henderson here in the TCO Radio Studio. Today with me is Vikings.com's Jay Nelson, producer Eric Davidson, and our guest, Mr. Craig Peters, Vikings.com senior writer. Guys, thanks for joining me. Um, Just a couple of hundred feet from where we are sitting right now earlier today, some exciting news became official. The Vikings and TJ Hawkinson agreed to terms on a contract extension that keeps TJ in purple for years to come. Before we start our show, let's toss to TJ's presser from earlier today on what it meant to be a Viking for four more years. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I mean, obviously this is an exciting time uh, for, for my family and I, and, and there's a lot that goes into it. You know, I want to thank Kwesi, um, KO, the the Will family, um, this entire organization, um, you know, I, my family, my fiance, um, you know, my parents, every, everyone that, that has a lot to go into this, my agent, Neil, um, you know, it, it's just been obviously a, a, an incredible year to be here, uh, be, be a part of the Minnesota Vikings, be a part of this organization uh, and really be a part of this, this city. You know, I mean, these fans, it's, uh, you know, it, it's truly incredible to be here and um, very excited to, to spend the next uh, four years, uh, five here, and um, you know, be around these fans, be be in this stadium, um, and just it's a, it's an incredible experience for me. I'm, I'm I'm very happy it's behind me at this point, and um, just just super excited uh, for the for the future here as a Minnesota Viking. So, what a big day it is, not only for T.J. Hawkinson but also for this Minnesota Vikings team, Craig. You just released our article that's on Vikings.com right now, and I just want to read the first sentence. You said T.J. Hawkinson enjoyed his first partial season here in purple, and so did the Vikings. Can you expound on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, everything he said uh, since he got here, he just fit in and clicked so quickly. Uh, Iowa native, you know, grew up following the purple a little bit, paying attention to that. Great dynamic player, blended with the locker room, and then was able to transition. I mean, what's crazy is he gets here November 1st, November 6th, we're in D.C. <laughs> <laughs> or the suburbs, yep. right? And uh, it's a big third down. And, uh, you know, where does the ball go? Hawk. Big How about TJ. that? Yeah. Nine catches on nine targets mm. five days after getting here. Mm. Looked apart. Um, that that was the that was a, a wild game, you know, a yep. lot of excitement. Harry with the pick, the bowling celebration at the end of that return. <laughs> Uh, the the kicking uh, thing down the stretch where they they commit the penalty and we mm-hmm. just uh, run out the clock a little bit more and then then end it. But the Hawkinson display of what he was able to do and what the coaching staff was able to do so quickly and Kirk Cousins with bringing him into the offense, it was a sign that that there were going to be some really cool things going on down the stretch. Mm-hmm. And I think that that came true. 
Uh, he's, he's said he wanted to be here. And then the uh, leadership for the Vikings kept reiterating, you know, like he's in our plans. He's in our plans. Don't worry. Don't fret. You know, every, everyone's getting antsy. They yeah. see every other tight end, all yeah. this movement everywhere else. We'll be all right. Don't worry. You know, just we'll, we'll, we'll work. We'll work through it, you know. And they work through it. And speaking of plans, um, I saw TJ Hawkinson in the cafeteria earlier this week. And, you know, just, you know, just asking him, like, you know, what are your future plans? Like, you know, how's, you know, the married little fiance, I guess, engaged life going? And, you know, I guess he was still unsure of certain things. And then talking to him earlier today, not knowing that he had signed this extension, I was like, how's it going, man? He was like, you know, just around here looking for houses. I'm like, <laughs> oh, so, something's new. That's and then, a good sign. <laughs> right. So, Jay, what do you think this means just for this team and, and just TJ in general? I think in general, it's, it's great to have a dynamic guy who, as of now, is sitting probably one of the top five tight ends, if not one of the top two or three tight yeah. ends in the ent- entire league. Um, I think when we made the trade for him and you give up a second round pick, you know, everyone kind of looks at it and goes, that's a steep price. But at the same point, if you get that kind of production out of somebody like TJ Hawkinson, it looked like it was well worth it. Um, By the end of the season, people understood he's a big body guy. He's athletic, uh, fiery passion. I think he's a guy that, you know, Kirk would love to be able to rely on moving into the future, especially in the red zone. So just to have a big body athletic tight end, uh, on this team and, and to have a guy who really feels like he has said all along from the very beginning, he liked it here, meshed here, fits in. I think uh, getting a guy like that uh, to buy in on this roster is going to be great. Um, I think for the offense, it just provides another uh, dynamic playmaker, and that's what you really are looking for. Uh, think about KOC's time in, in L.A. Yeah. and just how they utilized, whether it was running backs out of the backfield, uh, wide receivers, but even their tight ends. Um, just a ton of, of playmakers, and, and the more weapons you put out there, the more it really stresses defenses. So TJ is going to be a guy, I think, that was a critical component. And when I saw it happen, just giant smile on my face <laughs> and went, finally, you know, finally it's done. So right. glad to see it happen, and I, I think it's going to be great for this team going into 2023. Yeah, you look at going 11 personnel with three receivers and a tight end and running back. Um, I, I did that in reverse order, you know, but uh, it's, it's still, it still to, goes on the same way. Don't, don't hold me to that out there for saying it in the wrong order, or referencing good. the wrong personnel numeration. But um, that's that's two receivers that are first round picks and a tight end that's a first round pick. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're looking at Justin Jordan and TJ, plus you have what KJ does and, yep. and just the great couple seasons he's had so far. I mean, that's that's really going to press defenses to kind of kind of choose or maybe play a little bit more honest than than they sometimes have for sure and jay just just to your point of you know that that la team that kevin o'connell was on the past couple of years kevin o'connell in his press conference today he said he looked a lot at matt stafford's film in detroit before they traded for him in la if on that film that matt stafford had in detroit a lot of those targets were going to tj hawkinson so while tj wasn't in la with uh, kevin o'connell and sean McVay they did use a lot of TJ's film in order to say, okay, when I go to Minnesota, we need to look at this guy if he, if he comes available uh, in a trade per se. So happy to see TJ in purple, happy to see him stay here in purple for a while. But, but more importantly, uh, just seeing how that correlation all fits together, uh, it's a match made in heaven. And the thing too is, I mean, he was number two behind Kelsey in targets, receptions, and yardage. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing that dipped a little bit was the the touchdown rate, just because he was he had six touchdowns. Um, George Kittle had eleven, and, and Kelsey had twelve. So like he's still in that that upper echelon piece there. And and I think in any position, especially though the tight end position. 
you know, we've got some depth now as well. You've got some guys yeah. that are more kind of slated towards being quote unquote blocking tight ends and, and playmaking tight ends. And even with seeing guys like Muse make the team, um, the, the starting 53, yeah. you're adding some of those weapons. So it just feels like, you know, if they're going to sit there and want to swap those guys in to keep them fresh, having a fresh TJ Hawkinson by the end of the game, you know, dogging some of the linebackers and secondaries and really putting some pressure on them, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Speaking of fun to watch, it's going to be fun to see Justin Jefferson with the C on his jersey this year. That's right, Justin Jefferson, along with seven other captains on this Minnesota Vikings team, were voted, like I said, as captains uh, for the 2023 season. And Craig, again, you had a really good article on Vikings.com right now, but if you could just go through some of the captains and what it means and Kirk Cousins, Brian O'Neill, Harrison Smith, C.J. Ham, J.J., Jordan Hicks, Josh Mantellis, and Daniel Hunter. If you could just go through what that means, having those eight guys as captains, uh, I believe Vikings fans would, would, would appreciate that. All right. Yeah. You, well, first of all, congrats on getting all that out. That's that's a mouthful <laughs> of that many captains. But I understand that that's a, a key part of O'Connell's philosophy is he wants a really collective leadership with a lot of inputs. Um, and beyond the captains, he even has like a leadership council that he entrusts with running things by uh, definitely uh, wanting to source ideas, wanting to take information that, that that helps shape him with the goal of becoming a better leader overall and just really leading with people, not leading of people. Mm. Um, so it's really interesting to see that kind of unfold. Um, eight captains does seem kind of a lot, but it's really cool. Kirk has been one every, every year he's been here. O'Connell made sure to note that it was a unanimous selection mm. for the quarterback besides his own ballot. So you don't, you don't really good. vote for yourself, yeah. you know. Uh -huh. So anyone out there, you know, might maybe thinking about it or maybe did one time they were up for something, but I don't know. Say so it depends uh, if you're a politician <laughs> or not. You're voting for yourself. Yeah, you don't stuff the ballot box on the, the team <laughs> captain vote. But, yeah, and then O'Neill, you can just see the way that the rest of the O-linemen, I don't know if you if you had a view of this at the first night practice during training camp, but he, he was dressed and, yep. and he was participating and they were in transition from one drill to another and there he was like the Pied Piper or something yep. and everyone almost just like same step movements that mm -hmm. he was making as they went down the field and it was just... It was just one of the the brightest spots of, of camp, knowing how much how hard he's had to work, yeah. how disciplined they've been in his recovery. Uh, that transitions right into Metellus when O'Neill did get hurt last year. He had very much input on, hey, why don't you replace me with Josh? Um, teammates loved the way he worked on special teams. I think he's in for such a more dynamic role on defense this year, and mm -hmm. it's going to be really fun for us uh, to keep tabs on. You'll probably have a lot to to weigh in on as the season progresses there. Love the opportunity for Jefferson. Uh, before Kevin O'Connell's introductory press conference, he's FaceTiming JJ yep. from the door that leads to where the press conference was going to be, and he said, I'm envisioning a greater leadership role for you. Yep. Um, and he didn't rush it. He didn't force it. Like It's always great when someone that's that great at what they do has those leadership qualities as well, and I think Justin does. Yep. But they didn't force it on him, and they already had Thielen in place. And, and J.J. could watch a great leader in Adam Thielen kind of mold how he wants yep. to do things. I think that that's, that's very, very encouraging. C.J. Ham, what, what can't be said about C.J.? You know, The consummate like, pro, for sure. I think I wrote that, like, you know, I mean, he's, he's captain of the special teams, but there's not a man on the roster that can't learn something from, from right. him uh, with his approach. So, I mean, it's, it's just great. Hicks was a really good impact player for so many reasons. He does a little bit of everything. He he garnered respect immediately in the locker room. 
that area of the field is is gotten a lot younger and like the departure of Kendrick's heart and soul for so many years in the middle of that defense. Yeah. The good times and even in the bad times. Um it's it's going to be important to have that even though that there's uh you know a lot of a lot of young potential in that inside linebackers group. So I think Hicks being there is is a great choice by the teammates as well. And then uh, Harrison Smith and Daniil Hunter, they're probably viewed by people as more of the quiet types, Mm -hmm. but you can't tell me that guys aren't watching the moment they get here in those rooms to say, what does that guy do? Right, for sure. How can I do anything that person does to help me get better? Yeah, and I think the the cool part, too, is it's kind of split 50-50 for offense, for defense. And like you said, the leadership quality of each of these guys in their own facet is something that I think is huge. I think – you know, like we talked about with Kirk, the fact he doesn't vote for himself, it just mm-hmm. kind of shows you like that's, you know, that's kind of his MO. Um, but th- the other thing that was interesting to me was was more of the kind of the special team side of it, too. I think that is a, a very critical piece. Sometimes with different teams, they'll be like, there's offense, defense, and special teams is going to kind of something that we have to deal with. But I think there is such an emphasis on this team to really place how important that can be if the offense, you know, doesn't. Uh, pick it up one week or something, and the mm-hmm. special teams can really come through. It's such a huge deal. So it feels like all eight of these guys are very deserving, and it's nice to do, just see kind of the balance in there as well. Um, I think they're very smart in who they've grabbed here, and, and it was cool to see you know Josh get the nod, like you said, last year, and to see him then come back this year and, and still get the nod. So it's great. I think it's a really good group all around, and, and uh, looking forward to see what kind of uh, impact they have on the rest of the team. Kirk Cousins, Brian O'Neill, Harrison Smith, C.J. Ham, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Hicks, Josh Metellus, and Daniil Hunter are your eight captains for the Minnesota Vikings in 2023. Just congratulations to them and congratulations to uh, just the, the, the impact that all eight of those guys will make on this roster this year. But speaking of this roster, the Vikings, I mean, literally the, the topic of our script today is the fluid 53-man <laughs> roster. Sure. Uh, we, we knew this going into this, this past Tuesday when we recorded the initial 53-man roster podcast, but uh, the Vikings have uh, moved Vikings running back Kane Wangwu to, to the IR, which means he'll miss the first four games of the year. Then they released Jalen Rager. Those two uh, moves open up two roster spots for uh, David Questenberry, offensive tackle from the Tennessee Titans this past year, as well as Miles Gaskins, running back from the Miami Dolphins this past year, to join the active 53-man roster. So when you look at those two names, David Questenberry, Miles Gaskins, what are some things that come to mind? Questenberry's got a really unique story. You know, uh, he entered the NFL in 2013. So, I mean, yeah. he's, he's, he's seen a lot, done a lot, uh, been through a lot uh, with his health, uh, came back from that. Feel like uh, experience, you know, it, it, uh, the fact that he's he's been able to to be with multiple teams uh, helps out as far as the depth and versatility he he might be able to add to the group. I'm sure they'll look forward to getting him up to speed. Gaskins drafted uh, by Flores yeah. when he was head coach in Miami, so there's there's a good history there, and you know you can rely on that a little bit too. And I think that with Juan Wu out. Um, you know, uh, O'Connell said that Ty Chandler is going to be first in line for kick returns. Yep. Um, but if you want to really maximize the impact of that, which we've seen the past year, uh, past couple of years, what what Juan was added in that role to shape the way the team goes, um, you might uh, need to to uh, you know we we're looking forward to seeing Ty Chandler more in the offense too. So you might diversify carries a little bit more. Yep. Sure. No question, it looks like Madison's ready for for the lead role. 
but it does seem like the coaching staff wants to spread a few carries around a little bit, try to keep try to keep Maddie fresh for the gruel and grind of uh, of a full season. The thing for me that was so cool was to see uh, you know Quisenberry come in here as the tackle. The thing for him, two things. One, you you alluded to it, his health issue from before. Uh, I believe it was rookie season. He was diagnosed with non non Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm-hmm. And he kind of fought through the adversity of that whole thing and then has come out the the backside of that and and been somebody who's been a, a pretty solid uh, staple for both Houston and Tennessee and then Buffalo last year. The other thing for him that's going to be really nice is that he is versatile, that he can play both right and left tackle. And so he's going to give you some of that flexibility. Um, I think when they were talking about the trade that happened with Badarian Lowe, yeah. part of it too was just kind of looking at the depth at that, that tackle position. So if you are now starting to see – some of these offensive linemen that are coming in as well, being a little bit more extra that they can play multiple positions. Um, so I think that's going to be helpful. I think, you know, we were uh, when the initial 53 came out, we're like, man, there's only three offensive linemen, you know, behind the starting five at that point. And so to see them make a move for a guy like this makes total sense purely yeah. that he's, he's got the experience and he's got the ability on, on all sides of the ball. So it's great. Yeah, you made a good point with the Vidarian low trade earlier this week to the Patriots. It, it did open up another roster spot, and uh, only having eight offensive linemen on that initial 53-man roster, a, a lot of questions were raised because you see a lot of teams carry nine or ten offensive linemen. So this is a, a really key pickup for this Minnesota Vikings team and just provides some quality depth, Craig. Yeah, and I, I do think it's important to note, too, with the growth of the practice squad to 16 mm. players and the ability to um, move them up and elevate them, yep. uh, That that's kind of like probably like past couple of years, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's actually a, a post-COVID world um, thing that's actually been, been good for the, the NFL and yeah. every coaching staff and, and roster and opportunities for more players. Um, so, so you also see the maybe – maybe teams are going to keep a little fewer offensive linemen when they can stock their practice squad right, if they sure. think they can, and right. then they can fill a gap because you might only be dressing seven on game day anyway, maybe eight, maybe nine if you're going into the game a little little uh, banged up or right. trying to get through some things. So it's it's like uh, the roster flexibility, I think, is, is continuing to impact these initial 53s. Yeah. That's why it's interesting to – to kind of keep tabs on these over the years, but I, I do think that they were able to add some great experience um, to the 53. They've also added some some nice experience and some some developmental opportunities to the practice squad at that position group. And I really love the fact that the league was willing to do that. Right. You know, I think before there were how many times you would see guys on practice squads and feel like you know there, there's just not enough room to add extra pieces that you needed, mm-hmm. especially as the attrition of a season happens. Um, so it's been great to have that extra spot. And then, you know, some of the other moves that have sub- subsequently been made as well, um, you added some more offensive line depth there too. So it's been great to kind of see, like you said, that that increase of, of, of uh, availability on the practice squad. I think it's going to pay dividends for this team that has some certain areas that people are just, you know, curious about how what changes are going to be different from 2022 to 2023. Yeah. Speaking of those practice squad spots, the 16 guys, the Vikings have – fulfilled all 16 spots and the full practice squad is on vikings.com right now so you make sure make sure you go check that out but uh jay you talk you made you made a really good point you and craig about the versatility we talked about the offensive side of the ball but the versatility on the defensive side of the ball still having six safeties on the active roster yeah kevin o'connell said earlier today when brought with this brian flores defense 
you can use multiple safety sets having six guys. And ultimately, he thought those six safeties were good enough to make the 53-man roster. So that versatility, how key is it for that safety position? I think for me, the the fact that you have the six means that I don't think your traditional uh, defensive sets that everyone assumes is, you know, everyone's like, oh, 4-3 or 3-4. Well, mm-hmm. it's like, it's going to be a madhouse out there <laughs> given given the resources you have at safety. I mean, you have a ton of experience, a ton of guys that are top candidate guys that we love here. Yep. And I think, why wouldn't you use that? I, you know, the other day I called them kind of the chaos core of just being able to let those guys, I mean, you want a Harrison Smith, you want other guys running off the edge and blitzing or, you know, running up to the line at the snap and dropping back a la Troy Palamalu type stuff. And to have six guys in that position that you feel like you could plug and play and hopefully not skip a beat also allows them then to leave an extra safety on the field and let them be the blitzer off the corner or something along those lines. And um, again, that just that's that flexibility at that position. Now we were questioning, saying there's only 11 guys in the secondary, mm-hmm. so that means there's five corners and six safeties. That's kind of flipped what from what it would normally be. Mm-hmm. But again, to me, that just says they really trust the talent level that they have at that safety position to be able to give them some extra on that defense this season. I think you look at that, and you, you're you're also capable of really having some great players on your special teams coverage yeah. units yeah. Uh, you know getting down making tackles um sometimes that's that's an extra receiver but maybe they're not the the most uh refined at tackling so sure. now you have a safety going down um you, you combine that with Najee Thompson flying yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure grease lightning all, all the way down the field <laughs> so um I think that 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 really um that aspect as well as like the multiple packages sure. on defense uh if you have you can call it a big nickel if you want with if the the first team that they've shown the most has, has been Harrison and Cam Bynum and yeah. Josh Metellus as as the big nickel yeah. um it's kind of funny the taxonomy that you're even going to place on Metellus this year since he's going to do so much uh different things here and there uh it'll, it'll be fun to see but then you you build out that depth and and you look at the the preseason games that the reserves had and the hustle that Theo Jackson had on that, that breakaway run yeah. against Tennessee you know he he ran all the way down and caught him it was really impressive i think each one of those six guys made the team yeah you know and and it's it's really hard when you're you're evaluating you look at the numbers i think a couple of years back i don't remember the exact year but there i think there was one year where the initial 53 had two safeties. And I was like, uh, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> but yeah. And then you throw in the fact that, uh, Ward and Bynum have experience at major college football exactly. at corner. Yeah. Maybe that's not where you want to get, point. get through games with them every week in the NFL, but in a pinch, you also have that versatility right. too. And, sure. and I think just the, the, the communication also, just that point of Cam Bynum and Jay Ward playing cornerback, they understand what the cornerback should see. So that communication, that nonverbal Great communication point. at safety can help everyone in that secondary uh, committee. So that's a, that's a really good point. And uh, I'm just looking forward to seeing how it all comes together, right? We've seen glimpses at joint practice. We finally saw uh, what the defense could look like in the first quarter against the Arizona Cardinals in preseason week three with the Jay Ward uh, strip sack. So th- there's there's glimpse of what this defense can be, but we haven't seen it just yet. But clearly, we're we're, we're starting to to come to a I guess defined term of what this Brian Flores can be when you look at just the numbers.
And it's exciting. Yeah. It's extremely exciting because there's been a feeling, it's probably been, what, three, four seasons at this point that there's been a feeling that defensively they just haven't lived up to the standard mm -hmm. that everyone is expecting them to be. You know, the whole Zim's Re Zim Reapers kind of a thing when he first came in for the first three, for the first chunk of his his tenure. And there was kind of this tenacity and this grit and this feeling of just you don't have to worry about the defense. And then the last couple of years, they've been towards the bottom of the league in about a critical categories. And so for me, I just there's this kind of excitement to it looks like there's something here. It looks like there's something that's going to be able to jump off the page a little bit more. And if that's the case, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch because Vikings defenses for decades have been known as something that has been kind of the black and blue division. The purple people eaters set that standard back in the day. And so if you can get uh, another defense to kind of pop off the page like that and just get to a point where they can help the offense versus it holding on, you know, for dear life kind of a thing <laughs> at times. Um, I think it's going to be very helpful, and I'm just I'm super excited to see what really gets unveiled here in that that week one matchup. Oh, in man. in handling the mailbag last year, you know we're, oh, I bet. we're like ten and ten and two or whatever, yep. ten three or whatever. You know I f I forget exactly how the but you know it was, I was getting emails from people so unhappy, and I think that's <laughs> because part of their core identity is the Vikings dominating on defense. Yeah. And I understand it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, having such great admiration for yeah. the the '70s era of of dominance that they put forth, and and I get it. But I'm also like, um, you know, 13 wins is hard exactly. to get. <laughs> so yeah. you might as well smell these roses <laughs> um, because there's no guarantee that next year is oh, 13 sure. wins, or right. or you know, you never know how many gap years you're going to have until a, se a season like that with so many close wins and everything like that. So I understand that. I also try to temper. Um, expectations from going from like bottom yeah. one or two in yeah. a few categories yeah. to, to saying we're going to be number one in oh, for sure. points and yards right. again like we were in 17 you know mm -hmm. there's a lot of room in between the two especially when you have an offense like this and a special teams group that has really made its mark under Matt Daniels and I just think that's that's an entire identity of the league is that we're getting to a point where it's an offensive game, you know, all the rules that have changed and everything. And, and I just feel like it's turned into kind of a, a sprint. You know, if you're a team that's got weapons, which is why the Hawkinson signing to me is such a big deal is if you have a bunch of weapons and offense that are quick, they're versatile and you can sprint and try to have people play catch up. That only works if you can stop them right. on the other side of the right. ball. So that's the thing, like given the fact we had, yes, as close as we were last year, a bunch of those games probably shouldn't have been that close. You know, think of how many times you get to the back end of the game, you're like, we just need to stop, and you kind of got it, mm -hmm. and then other times you didn't. That's where if even if there's just a a a slight jump defensively and we have a similar offense to last year, I mean, why wouldn't you talk about having at least double-digit wins at that yeah. point and really being able to do something in, in, in the playoffs? So that's why it's so exciting for someone like me just to see <laughs> – kind of that tenacity and even just the minimum stuff that we saw in preseason, you know, they always guard and hold things back, but yeah. then every once in a while you get a little glimpse of somebody off the edge, like, right. you know, Jay Ward making yeah. that kind of a play. And it's like, that's what I want to see all season long. How, how nostalgic would it be? You guys just, just brought up the, the classic jerseys that the Vikings are wearing on, um, you know, September 10th against the Buccaneers and just how that those jerseys are kind of, you know, they kind of correlate with great defenses of the sixties and seventies and, uh, how nostalgic would it be for us to just have a dominant defensive performance in those classic jerseys against 
a team in the Buccaneers that just won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. I think for for Tampa, they're going to be interesting because I think they're kind of going through a new identity crisis a yeah. little bit. You know, T Bone's not coming back in the in the building, so <laughs> it's the Baker, Baker Mayfield show. Tampa Baker Mayfield, exactly. Baker, Temper Baker Buccaneers. There you go. The Baker Nears. The Baker, Baker Nears. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would love it even more if, if Tampa was wearing the creamsicle jerseys for this one, too. Yeah. Oh, it'd be I, awesome. I thought about that. I was on the fence. I'm like, well, it's really cool that we have the classics, though. And if, if they had the creamsicle on, on top of that, maybe it just wouldn't be as good. <laughs> but I don't know. I think it'd be fun. I, yeah. I've always, that, that is one of the sneaky jerseys that I've always liked, even though the teams that wore the creamsicles were typically terrible. Um, but I always loved the idea of, of kind of the creamsicles and the old Buccaneer helmet and everything. But then again, I'm an old, old kid who had that like on his bed sheets and stuff. As a kid, so. um, well, we're, we're going really old school with the game program, by the way. That's awesome. A lot of that's elements. Awesome. Yeah. So shout out to True North Design Team, our in-house design team. They're they're working on it right now. And I'm, I'm super excited, by the way. Just shameless plug. No, you're you good. Know. There's a lot of fun stuff. Yeah. Being, being, I was about to plug you, Jeff. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of fun stuff being done up for that game for actually at the stadium itself. So if you're going to be there, it's going to be a lot of fun little Easter eggs for everybody to yeah. watch. Can't wait. Um, that we're all excited for. Uh, you know, I think in general, playing against Tampa, I, I it's going to be weird because, you know, Baker going in there, they still have weapons. Mm-hmm. They've got a, a, a young uh, running back in uh, Raclad. And, and so just trying to figure out, like, who is Tampa? Yeah. Like, who are they going to be? Week one is always a crapshoot because you don't yeah. know what, like, you can have a team walk out there and literally run a completely different offensive yep. defense than they will do the entire rest of the season just to throw you off. Yep. And you just, you never know. But I think the the thing that's going to be even more of an advantage for us is just the fact we're at home. Oh. Uh, week one at home against Tampa with a new quarterback. Mm. Fans love to dial up the noise, and mm-hmm. the defense should give them a reason too. So for me, I, I, I have, I have a confident calm about me going mm-hmm. into that game. I'm chaos with everything else going on right now, <laughs> trying to get ready for that game. But just in general, the idea of what the matchup is, even though defensively they've got a really good secondary and they've got some some young playmakers now in offense to pair up with their veterans. I, I just there's a, a feeling to me that um, you know our core leadership like we just talked about even earlier those guys mixed with some of the young talent that we have i just feel like we're going to put our best foot forward in that first game and we'll have so many members of those super bowl teams in attendance yeah. and and so and i think that um you know we get further and further removed but i do think it's it's been important to coach o'connell to to make sure this this next generation of vikings yeah. understands you know where they've come from and why we have this facility it's because those guys right. for sure and the fans that supported those teams and there's there's some great players in attendance and that were dominant on defense yeah they literally walk by there's there's on our second level of our building when they come out of the the meeting space there's all the hall of famers yeah. on that wall yeah. And if you just walk down there and look at the amount of defensive players that were known as the tough, hard-nosed guys, Paul Krause, in every single yeah. era, of 60s, 70s, yep. 80s, 90s, and and to where we are now, you know, a lot of the guys, including the veterans that are on this team with the Harrison Smith and those guys, like they've talked to those guys, they kind of understand. And I think as they get, you know, the younger guys come in, there's there is this sense of you know these guys were nasty and and that is what we've been known for and we we want to be known for that again and i i just i'm looking forward to it i just keep saying i know i'm a broken record but i'm looking forward to seeing <laughs> everyone is something like that it's okay that, that's it's a been fun, so long fun change it's yeah. been so long since we've 
actually experience the Vikings home game. So to, to actually have it in this type of circumstance with classic fit, classic fit jerseys, like th- you can't make this up. It, it gets everyone excited. It's fun. And, you know, I think I know it was a little bit of a curveball for Nike and everybody, too, just it being week one. But I think it is kind of a fitting way to kind of kick off the season mm-hmm. and to look at, you know, whether it's, um you know, the players that are going to be back or kind of uh, looking back and, and kind of the impact Bud Grant had. I know we've yeah. talked about it a ton, especially since his passing, but those kind of pieces are going to be really important for that game. And, and hopefully that gives the players a little bit extra juice. For sure. Well, we will be there, but you know who else will be there? Our special guest of the show, Mr. Josh DeMille. He will actually be on the comments pregame hosting a live edition of Buddy Games. He joins us now and let's just get right into it. <laughs> Well, if you are a fan of the Minnesota Vikings podcast, chances are you are a fan of our next guest. He is days away from hosting his hit show, Buddy Games, live from the Minnesota Vikings Commons, the same day the Vikings have their home opener. Our guest, Mr. Josh Dumel. Josh, I appreciate you joining me. You are making the trip uh, to the Twin Cities in a couple of days, and not only for the game, but also for uh, your Buddy Games. And just understanding that, just what what is the excitement level right now with your favorite team and our favorite show. Well, I always get really excited about uh, a new season with the Vikes. Every year we're good. Uh, every year they seem to find a new way to break my heart. <laughs> but I am still optimistic. I really am. I feel like with this new coaching staff and uh, Flores and, and O'Connell and the rest of the crew, I just feel like we got to. I, I feel like it's going to happen in this regime. I really do. But as far as the buddy games thing, that is a whole other, uh, yeah, I can't even, you know, honestly, I can't even believe that we have this show that's about to come on the air. This is some, the stupid thing my buddies and I did have done for 25 years or longer. Uh, took the idea to the, to CBS. They loved it. And, you know, here we are, you know, it, it's, it, it's a kind of a dream come true, to be honest. When, when you talk about just, uh, an idea that kind of you know rooted out of just fun, and now it's a mainstream type of thing. What what, what are some things that that come to mind to that 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 help to get over that hump of okay, like man, we can probably make this a thing instead of just being instead of just a thing we do with our friends. Yeah, uh, you know, well, I think that we knew that there was going to be a relat- relatability to it, just because people do versions of this everywhere. I mean, you probably got a group of friends that you play stupid games in the backyard or you know, <laughs> some kind of chipping contest or cornhole or see how many balls you can catch jumping into the water. You know, it just like, yeah. we just never stopped as kids. We we're always competing. And I think that that's probably the case with most people and groups of friends everywhere. So we knew that there was this re- relatability to it. And so we, we pitched it, you know, we, 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 we thought that this was even a, a better idea in some ways, because like I said, there are groups of friends everywhere that will really understand this. And also it would be fun to see other people uh, in these groups sort of competing against other groups just like them. And there we found that there was really a, a commonality between what my group of guys is like and what they're like in this in this game. And, and I tell you what, man, they, get, they were all in. It was so competitive and dramatic and emotional and funny. Yeah. Uh, it couldn't have turned out better, to be honest. That, that's awesome. So for 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 fans who are looking forward to this, we've been premiering this on our podcast, September fourteenth on CBS Buddy Games. What what can they expect? Well, they can expect uh, 
to see themselves in a lot of these groups, probably. <laughs> this is not American Ninja Warrior. It's not Survivor or any of those shows where you got to starve yourself and live the, or be the most athletic. These are just normal people with that yeah. competitive fire. And I think that that's what people are going to love about it. Um, and it's also, they took our version of the games. We always do something pretty stupid. We play the normal ones, golf, wiffle ball, ping pong, corn, you know, cornhole, things like that. But then we always have one outrageous game that we do. <laughs> and CBS took that to a whole other level. They have a whole team of people and they worked with me and my buddy Bob, uh, who we call the Bob father, <laughs> who really created the games. Uh, we all kind of worked together to come up with these ridiculous games. And not only that, but they all live together in this giant house. We actually shot it in Colombia, Bogota, Colombia, outside of, outside the city limits. And it looked like it was, you know, some drug lord owned this place back in the early 80s or something. <laughs> and they converted it to a giant cabin. <laughs> It was like this, it, all of a sudden, you know, they bring this this army of people in and they convert it into this giant cabin where everybody lives in uh, in it together. So it's got this big brother element to it where each team has their own bunk room. And so, you know, you'll get the, the reality of what happens inside the house, the competitions, the alliances, the, the uh, you know, the, the camaraderie that was formed, which I didn't see coming. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that was, that was one of the really fun things. So we got all the games and all the competitive stuff. But we also get to see uh, how the histories of these groups of friends play out and how they interact with other people within the house. How, how many times have, I know you host the show, but how many times have you ever wanted to say, okay, screw this. I just want to get out of here with these guys and do it with them. How many times have you, you said that in your mind? Well, I, I really did. I mean, one, of, one of the things I wanted to do differently than shows I've seen like it, you know, Oftentimes I felt like the hosts were sort of standing off and observing uh, and commenting on what they're watching. But I got in there, man, I, <laughs> partly because I just couldn't help myself. But I was the test dummy for all the games, nice. all the stuff they do. Uh, I got in there and and tried it first. I actually had a test dummy T-shirt and I would go in and do these things so that the players knew how, how each game would play. So, you know, between that um, and just getting in there with them and, and, and sort of going through the process with them. It just, I feel like the, the head counselor at a big adult <laughs> summer camp is what I felt like. Yeah, I was I was watching one of the previews for this upcoming season's show, and, and one of the, the contestants were saying, hey, we got off the bus, and we thought we were going to like a summer camp, and then Josh Demel shows up and is like, oh, he's actually the head camp counselor. So clearly yeah. <laughs> there, was, there was mutual feelings between the two. Yeah, they didn't know that it was buddy games when they got there. They just knew that it was, that they were going to go compete. And then they put it all together when I showed up and they're like, oh, it's, oh no, what is this dude going to make us do? <laughs> and yeah, I, I made them do some stuff that they probably never thought they would have done. That's awesome. That's what makes the, the game fun, competitive and entertaining for fans at home. But just being a part of Buddy Games for, for so long, seeing it from the origin to where it is now, do, do you have any favorite memories that you that you could share with us? Oh man, you know, most of it includes like, shooting paintballs at my friends as they <laughs> run across the field in their underwear. Uh, uh, it, we do get very competitive, but, you know, we're all like high 40s or yeah. 50 now. And as, as competitive as it is, it's really about the camaraderie and yeah. the brotherhood and how long we've, you know, the, the, those histories. I've known some of these guys since kindergarten. Mm -hmm. So those friendships mean more to me now than they ever have. You know, I think that as you get older, you value those friendships that much more. Old friends are hard to make. Yeah. And so, 
I really value these guys. Uh, we stay very close. And so it's as much about just the getting together and, and, and being around the guys as much as it is at the competitions, really. Uh, I thought you were going to say the ice baths after getting shot with those paintballs and just having to cool your body down. But we'll, we'll take that answer. We'll take that. No, those guys are too wimpy. I'm the only one that does that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, there, there is a, a great correlation that, that we talked about in the beginning of um, hosting this during – hosting the Buddy Games this year in Minneapolis right before the home opener. And just just yeah. understanding that, how, what made you want to host Buddy Games during the home opener? Well, there's a, there's a natural connection between the Buddy Games in Minnesota. We It sort of originated here, here in North Dakota where a lot of us are from but as we got older my buddy bob the bob father had this great house in minnesota and we'd all meet there and ever since then we either come to my cabin or we go somewhere in montana but it, it does very much have a minnesota uh, connection so the vikings were all in uh my buddy mike benson who runs marketing at cbs also is from minnesota so he was like also a Vikes fan, he said, how about we do it in Minnesota at a tailgate oh, yeah. home opener? I was like, count me in. <laughs> so that's really how it all came about is just the fact that I'm a huge fan, the fact that it's a Minnesota, it started in Minnesota and that, you know, the timing's perfect. The home opener is like four days before the, the show airs. Which is so great. Uh, just my last question for you, Vikings fans, we, we know you watch the game. We know you're, you're, you're very into it, but realistic expectations what are your what are what are those for you that's a tough one because on the one hand we lost some pretty good players yeah both defensively and offensively the cook and some of those d linemen and i can't even keep track but apparently they reloaded and they're really happy with some of these players they have and i'm not entirely familiar with these guys yet so i trust that a new gm o'connell flores these guys these guys are really, really top level in their in their in their field. And I trust that they've got a, a good team set up. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. I'm gonna guess we could go anywhere from uh nine and eight to fourteen and three. Yeah. You know, it, it just all kind of depends. You ask Paul Allen, he's gonna tell you we're gonna go fifteen or seventeen and oh. <laughs> Paul <laughs> so surprisingly, Paul said we will have a worse record this year, but be a better team. So that that was the first for me to hear from Paul because he's usually a, a 17 and no type of guy. <laughs> well, he probably says that because we pulled so many out in the end. Last year was one of the most dramatic years that I can remember. Yeah. Uh, he's probably guessing we won't win some of those games, but maybe we, maybe the games will be, we'll, we'll have them, we'll win them more handily and we won't have to come back in the end and win. Come down from 31 points or whatever that was against the Colts yeah. and win. But he might be right. You know, the team might be better. I think defensively we're definitely going to be better. Yeah. And it'll be fun just watching that defense. We talked about it earlier. Wear those classic jerseys on week one. Give some nostalgia for, mm -hmm. for fans who watched the, the Vikings in 60s and 70s with those dominant defenses. So uh, we're looking forward yeah. to having you there also hosting your live edition of Buddy Games on the comments outside of U.S. Bank Stadium. Appreciate you, Josh. You got to come and play some cornhole with us. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be. I'll make sure to be there bright and early. <laughs> Wait, just just let me know what time you need me, and, and, and I'll be right there playing cornhole with my, with my left hand. All right, good, good. <laughs> you're you're right-handed. You're going to play left-handed just to make just to go easy on us? Is that the idea? Yeah, just just so nobody gives me crap for, for trying to, I guess, be an all-time athlete. I just, I just want to go fly by the wayside and do my thing and let everybody else win. <laughs>
Because <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take it. I'll if it gets it. too competitive, I get I get way too competitive. So I, I just want to just want to be able to enjoy it. I hear that. Appreciate you, Josh. All right, man. Take care. Skull Vikes. <laughs> Always good to talk to Josh Demel, and um, we will see him again September 10th on the Commons, hosting a live edition of Buddy Games. You can check that out on September 14th on CBS. So. Uh, make sure you are in attendance for that. Craig, before we get out of here, I'm not sure why that conversation got me excited for college football, but usually before I start, before the NFL season starts, there's always college game day on Saturday. We basically tell all of our friends, don't bother us from about 8 a.m. till about 11 a.m. and then so on and so forth. But when you look at just the college football schedule, just with everything going on with this just being a holiday for football fans. What are some games that stand out? Oh, man, I'm going to disappoint you so much. <laughs> don't tell me you don't watch college football. No, like. I, or you I, just locked I into do. your work. I just, like, it's so hard every yeah. year oh, to, sure. to stay on top of work. And yeah. with the week one home game, like, we're, we're kind of, like, coming off back-to-back home preseason games yep. and closing camp and roster moves and everything. I, I haven't even looked at the schedule. <laughs> Uh, I am sure there are great games. I am sure when it's on, uh, I will enjoy. Actually, I had, while I was working last night on some stuff, a replay of the uh, Southern Cal UCLA game on as background noise. So okay. I was peeking at uh, yeah. the Addison okay. touchdown okay. out of the backfield, you know, just a thing of beauty. Uh, yep. Let's let's see where he lines up this year. But, um, right. yeah, I always try, but I've gotten a little bit worse. And, you know, family obligations a little bit. You try I to keep it. up on Come those. on, Craig, priorities. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There was a time in my life I never would have envisioned watching as little college football oh. <laughs> as I get to now, right? Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, the alma mater, I think, is uh, southeastern Louisiana this mm. week uh, coming up. So mm. we, we'll, we'll take a look at that. Uh you know, that's Mississippi State for everyone out there, as you might not know. But uh, Hill State, uh, Mike Parson, <laughs> new equipment manager, yep. was a Bulldog at the same time I was a Bulldog. Mm. So that's been uh, really fun to revisit those. Did you know him? Sure. I did not. Okay. I did not. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, it's been really cool to to reconnect. And they're doing some classics, too. They're doing their 98 oh, nice. unis this year. Um, I, yeah, feel like, so. I feel like Mike inspired that for some reason. Maybe so. Like he he heard a rumor and like he, he like really early into meeting him, he was telling me about it, and, and then I saw the pictures. I was like, oh yeah, that, mm. that yeah that that takes mm. me back. Yeah. <laughs> and it's sad that it's been that long, but uh, you know it it has, and I I, I just uh, appreciate all those memories there. So I think for college football fans, it's five straight days of college football. Mm. It's going to be like a great way to kick it off for them. I know the the big barn burner for the uh, Gophers is is the Nebraska kickoff with yeah. Matt Rule coming yeah. in as the new head coach at Nebraska. So there's a lot of people here locally. They were going to do the gold out uh, for mm. the game, so it's a sellout, and ought to be interesting to see just kind of how they you know fill Huntington Bank Stadium at that yeah. point. Um, Notre Dame versus Navy. I think that was over in Ireland, yeah. if I remember. Oh yeah, yeah. So that was kind of cool too. And then um, you know. Tatum's not here, but the, <laughs> giant, LSU. but the giant game of the weekend is LSU-Florida Florida State. State. So <laughs> as I told her, I'm like, don't worry, it's college football. The first couple of weeks don't mean anything if your team wins or loses right. at that point. It's only what happens in the last two weeks of the season for your bowl eligibility and for the for the national playoff game. I, so. I just remember her energy last year when LSU-Florida played. I think it was Sunday night football again last year, uh, college football, and LSU pretty much made the, the comeback and then got the field goal block to, to oh, yeah. lose the game. Yeah. And just her energy was just so down. <laughs> And we, we, we kept it cordial. Everyone kept it cordial. So maybe maybe that's why she's not here today. She's just 
<laughs> gearing herself up for, you know, hopefully a, a fun weekend in her eyes with LSU and Florida State. But um, it'll be good to have her back next week. For sure. And it, it, it's always fun. I mean, just the best part is we're finally at the part of the season where you don't have to sit there and start looking at schedules to figure out if there's football. It's There is football. It's just yeah. at what, what level. So if you're a football junkie, whether it's college pros, high school, whatever, now's the time of year you can finally start rejoicing and know that uh, you're able to uh, – you know, scratch that itch every single day if you're looking for it. How about you? Where, where you what yeah. team do you have circled? LSU Florida State was one I had circled, yeah. and then, you know, alma mater, Liberty, we uh, host Bowling Green this ah, Saturday. Okay. So that, that'll be a good one. It's on CBS at 11 a.m. Well, 11 a.m. Central. So I, I'll be tuned in. A couple of my guys, we, we, uh, we got a group chat together. A couple of my college teammates, we got a group chat together, and we literally just vent after every um, series. Like, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they run this? So, um, oh man, so you're all calm about it, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So it keep, keeps me. Why sane. wait to be a Monday morning quarterback when <laughs> right. you can be a real time? <laughs> I am. I am. Yeah. If, if you if you know me, you know that I am very animated when I'm watching sports. So, like, because I'm always all in. So. Uh, it, it'll be fun, but it, it'll also be fun next week knowing that we're only one podcast away. Only one podcast separates us between now and the week one home opener against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at U.S. Bank Stadium. So I can't be more excited. I can't wait for game week to get here. But more importantly, Craig, so so glad to have you on our podcast today. Well, it's so great to join you. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. So for Craig, Craig Peters, Jay Nelson, Eric Davidson, and our guest, Mr. Josh DeMille, my name is Gabe Henderson. We'll talk to you next week. Did you know milk hydrates better than water and it's packed with 13 essential nutrients? Grab a cold glass of milk to beat the heat and boost your energy. Brought to you by Undeniably Dairy.